Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Can I encourage you please to uh, take a pew Bible and find the easiest of page numbers, 567, 567, for Psalm 41, starting at verse 1. Page 567, Psalm 41, verse 1. Blessed is he who has regard for the weak. The Lord delivers him in times of trouble. The Lord will protect him and preserve his life. He will bless him in the land and not surrender him to the desire of his foes. The Lord will sustain him on his sickbed and restore him from his bed of illness. I said, O Lord, have mercy on me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. My enemies say of me in malice, When will he die and his name perish? Whenever one comes to see me, he speaks falsely, while his heart gathers slander. Then he goes out and spreads it abroad. All my enemies whisper together against me. They imagine the worst for me, saying, A vile disease has beset him. He will never get up from the place where he lies. Even my close friend, whom I trusted, he who shared my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. But you, O Lord, have mercy on me. Raise me up that I may repay them. I know that you are pleased with me, for my enemy does not triumph over me. In my integrity you uphold me and set me high in your presence forever. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. The second passage is Mark chapter 14 on page 1021. And starting to read at verse 43, Mark chapter 14, verse 43. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those struggling near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading rebellion, said Jesus, that you have to come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, 
he fled naked, leaving his garments behind. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As we stand, let me lead us in prayer. God our Father, we thank you for your word, the Bible. We praise you, we uh, give you glory for your Holy Spirit who calls this wonderful book to be written. And we thank, the, thank you that your spirit is here with us now, amongst us, in our hearts, to help us discern and hear what it is that he wants to say to us in your word. And we pray that you'd help each of us to listen carefully, lovingly, obediently to you, and that you'd help me to preach faithfully as I ought to. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, do sit down and uh, as you settle back, uh, turn back to page 1021 in the Church Bibles there to Mark chapter 14 and uh, verse uh, 43 as we continue this series on the way <coughs> to the cross. It's very interesting, uh, this mission that you've got coming up, uh, real people, real stories, real lives. Uh, most of us are very familiar, aren't we, with the very real story, the very real life, uh, the very real person of, uh, of Judas. Judas is a bit of a cult hero for some. Uh, there's a clothing label called uh, Judas Sinned. I'll be keeping my eye out as you leave and seeing if anyone's wearing Judas Sinned this morning. Uh, Lady Gaga uh, sung a song called Judas. Uh, here are some of the lines. Uh, she gets quite a few stories from the, the, uh, the Gospels all mixed up and intermingled. But here's some uh, words from uh, Lady Gaga on Judas. Oh, 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 I'm in love with Judas. When he comes to me, I'm ready. I'll wash his feet with my hair if he needs. Forgive him when he, his tongue lies through his brain. Even after three times, he betrays me. It's interesting, isn't it? In the most biblical sense, I'm beyond repentance. I want to love you, but something's pulling me away from you. Jesus is my virtue, and Judas is the demon I cling to. I cling to. What a holy fool. Oh, baby, it's so cruel, but I'm still in love with Judas. Baby. Judas, a cult hero, but his story, the story of Judas, is desperately, desperately sad. Uh, his name is Judas, uh, but I don't know anybody, I don't think, who's named their children Judas. Uh, Judas is less used as a name nowadays, and more often it's used as a word. It's in the dictionary. Judas, one who betrays another under the guise of friendship. One who betrays another under the guise of friendship. You, Judas. We get the phrase, kiss of death, from him. The mafia apparently still use uh, the kiss of death to mark someone out for execution. Now, that's the reality of the true story of Judas. As uh, we come there to this uh, passage today, uh, I think it would be good to just have at the back of our minds the events of another garden, the Garden of Eden, as we engage with this Garden of 
Gethsemane. Uh, Both gardens were gardens where a testing went on. Both gardens were a garden, uh, gardens where there was a failure, where there was betrayal, where there was foolishness, where there was a rebellion, where there was shame. Both, all those things go on in both those gardens. See, when, when Adam was turfed out of the Garden of Eden, if he had looked back over his shoulder, what did he see? As he looked back at the events that he just experienced, what did he make of them? As that young man flees away naked from the Garden of Gethsemane and he looks over his shoulder, what does he see? What does he make of the events that he's just witnessed, that he's been looking in on? So let's engage with these real stories, these real people with the real characters. Judas... Peter, the young man who flees away naked, and Jesus himself. Uh, Judas, Judas stands really for rebellion's betrayal. Judas, rebellion's betrayal. At the very heart of this rebellion is the most appalling betrayal. Judas had been present with Jesus Jesus, earlier in the night, uh, but he'd gone out and he had assembled uh, this motley crew, this small army. And now he appears, look at uh, verse 43, Judas, and Mark is very clear, he's one of the 12. Judas, one of the 12. He's one of them. He'd enjoyed uh, the privilege of friendship with Jesus. He'd enjoyed that company uh, and uh, those years together. Jesus had washed his feet just earlier in the evening. Jesus had served him. Jesus had taught him to pray. Jesus had taught him in the things of the kingdom of God. Jesus had fed him along with 5,000 other men. Jesus had rescued him from drowning at sea. And when earlier in that evening Jesus had said one of them, the 12, one of the 12 would betray him, no doubt Judas, uh, like all the others, verse 19, so not me, Not I, I won't be, it won't be me, Jesus. And then he dips bread with Jesus. And Jesus said, the one who dips bread with me. And we read in another gospel that Jesus gives him the choice morsel. Deep friendship gone on. Then, then, then there's the kiss. And it was all Judas's idea, if you look at the text, uh, as Mark describes things. No one said to him, Judas, look, mark him out with a kiss. No, no, that was Judas's idea. Verse 44. You know, Judas could have said, look, listen, lads, when we get there, I'll point him out. It'll be very clear who he is. But no, no, Judas's idea, I'll kiss him. That sign of friendship and trust uh, and uh, kindness. Uh, basically the kiss it, it ratchets the whole thing up doesn't it that deep sense of a traitor and betrayal takes it to their highest order doesn't it betrayal with a kiss not just the pointing of a finger betrayal is at the heart of this rebellion Judas and the crowd they come armed verse 43 they come with swords and clubs it is a rebellion 
They're expecting resistance. Jesus, verse 44, uh, is to be arrested and uh, strong armed, strong words are used there to be arrested. That is to be seized and led away under guard. Strong handed stuff going on. Uh, and um, yeah, these strong arm tactics. And Jesus responds, doesn't he, in verse 48 and 49. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you've come out with swords and clubs to capture me? You know, every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts and you did not arrest me. A rebellion. Well, there's a rebellion going on, but the question in our mind is who's rebelling against who? Are the chief priests, scribes, teachers, the mob, they think Jesus is rebelling against them. But uh, Mark is very clear indeed. Uh, where the rebellion really is. The chief priests, the teachers, the elders, they don't like, uh, they don't want, they reject the rule of, uh, verse 41, you know, just before this, uh, the betrayal of Jesus, we've got the ownership of Jesus, of the name, he is the son of man, verse 41. And then uh, just uh, in the, the court cases afterwards, again, Jesus owns this favorite phrase of he, uh, himself, this Uh, This name for the one who sits at the right hand of God, this ruling king, this sovereign ruler of the entire universe. So verses 61 to 64, Jesus remains silent. He gives no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed one? I am, said Jesus. And you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. Verse 63, the high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses? He asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They don't want him, the son of man, this Jesus. They see Jesus as a rebellion and as a threat to their reign and their rule. And Jesus, as it were, says to Judas, Judas, don't you get it? Don't you understand after all this while? I am leading a rebellion. But I'm not replacing one person with another, one leader with another leader. No, I'm replacing the whole power structure with a new power structure. I'm replacing the whole shooting caboodle. A worldly power with a rightful heavenly power. Don't you remember? It's as though our memories in Mark's gospel should be coming back to us. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. That's the kind of power he's introducing. My reign is one of service and humility. You can arrest me with your swords and your clubs, but you won't stop me. Ironically, you'll bring it all about. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to give, to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. At the very heart of Judas's rebellion against the Son of Man is betrayal. And it is a chilling warning. Paul asked earlier on, have you been betrayed? I guess most of us have in some way, shape or form. We know how painful it is, how Terrible it is, but we must be warned, mustn't we, here? It's a chilling warning of the consequences of corruption. You cannot serve God and money. Judas does it for money. A 
chilling or a warning over the consequences of moral blindness. I think there's a chilling warning about false expectations, wrong expectations about Jesus. We set out and we say, yeah, Jesus, I will serve you as the son of man, as my Lord, as king, as the one at the right hand of God, the father. But then we hit tough times. Things go, don't go as we hoped or as we planned in our own families or in our workplaces or in our own physical well-being. We suffer, we go through hard times. Things aren't easy and we begin, well, who do we do? Who do we blame? That Jesus isn't quite turning out to be the one that I thought he would be. So through the tough times of life, we can go bitter and we can go sour on him. It's a chilling reminder that we can outwardly follow our Lord Jesus Christ. We can receive his love, his welcome. We can be close on in with him in his family and yet be led to betrayal. There's a serious warning there, isn't there? Judas, rebellion's betrayal. Peter, rebellion's foolishness. And Mark for once spares uh, Peter's blushes, doesn't say it was him. Uh, We know from the other gospels it was him who gets out his sword and uh, as someone said, Peter was either very good with a sword to slice off an ear or he was really useless with a sword to have missed a head. Peter, Peter, always bravado at the meal. I will never deny you, even if everyone else does. I won't, Jesus. Peter asleep when he should have been praying just prior to this uh, next event. Peter, in the next phase, uh, is about to collapse like a broken deck chair. Peter, 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 he instinctively just goes when the pressure is on without thinking reaches grabs and wields the wrong weapon the weapons of the kingdom of prayer he should have been praying the weapons of the kingdom Jesus says to the mob that had come you come with swords and clubs I was teaching the weapon of the word of God he reaches for the wrong thing at the wrong time in the wrong moment when the pressure is all on Peter What are you doing? He didn't understand still this king who would suffer and serve and die. He couldn't live up to the standards of this king's kingdom. It's all topsy-turvy, the king's kingdom. It goes against science and the survival of the fittest. It goes against psychology, which says you mustn't ever be trodden down. It goes against the political stuff, which is all about getting power and wielding it. It it goes all against sociology, where, you know, popularity is all the thing. It's all upside down. Peter didn't get it, couldn't live up to it. Peter, wrong weapon, you foolish man. You think you can win... Jesus, as it were, says to him, by your own effort, by your own work, you think you can beat Judas's game using Judas's methods? You think you're rescuing me? You only delay your own rescue. Don't you get it, Peter? Quit rebelling against my will, the Father's will. And then verse 50. Everyone deserted him 
and fled. The whole lot, lot collapsed like a deck of cards. I think uh, it's a salutary warning, isn't it, Peter? Uh, I, instinctively, under pressure, when the chips are down, will reach out for the wrong weapon. I will react and respond in the wrong way. We've got to be so careful. I mean, we all have influence and political influence in our own spheres of work and family and society and friends and neighbourhoods, don't we? Got to be so careful about picking those things up and using them in the wrong way. Our own popularity, striving, the use of money. Yeah, the call of the kingdom of God is uh, the willingness to be rejected, it's to be humble, it's to be generous. It's all, it's all on its head. It is a revolution that's going on. Uh, I, uh, for the first time ever, picked up Thomas Akempis. The Imitations of Christ are just uh, in my after Christmas holiday. I've never read Thomas Akempis. I've read a whole load of people who've read him and quote him. I thought, well, okay, well, I'll read him for the first time. Uh, and uh, here's a guy who wrote a book 600 years ago. He was a monk. Uh, it comes with a health warning. Uh, I, I think there are some significant misunderstandings over grace. Uh, so I'll say that uh, uh, about Thomas Akempis' um, uh, Imitations of Christ. But there is a guy who understood humility and understood that aspect of the kingdom of Christ. And um, it's interesting, our brains are just tuned in, aren't they? So just instinctively do stuff and... and, um, now, we react so quickly, you know, someone cuts you up on the road and immediately all the wrong instincts come through and they're just like that, aren't they? And as followers of Christ, you know, we've got to train our brains and our minds and our hearts to start going for the right thing. And much of Thomas Akempis' Imitations of Christ is about that. And does he want to learn humility? He gives uh, three or four things to do each day, every day, If you come across a choice to be first or second, take the choice to be second. If you come across a choice to have more or less each day, choose less. If each day you come across someone else's view and agenda going forward or yours, choose theirs. And you'll begin to train your heart in the heart of humility in Christ. Uh, It's very, very challenging. But we've got to engage with it, haven't we? With the word of God and the spirit of God in our hearts. If we're going to live the kingdom way and understand the kingdom way, which Peter doesn't hear. Yeah, of course he does in the end. Rebellion's betrayal, rebellion's foolishness, rebellion's shame. The young man. I struggled as many people have over this young man in verses 51, 52. You know, was it the author of the book? Was it Mark? Is this his signature saying, yeah, I was there, you know. I was a young man and I knew some stuff was going on at night so I sneaked out in my pyjamas, in my nightshirt and I saw everything that went on and yeah, I fled as well and they grabbed my shirt and I fled naked. We don't know. 
But every single section of Mark's gospel, Mark is really very careful about what he puts in, where he puts in, and pretty well you can figure out what the purpose is at every single point. And it seems to me in my reading and my understanding of Mark's gospel, this little two verses with this young man have always been put into the compartment of, we don't know what Mark was doing there. And maybe it was him, we don't know. And then we move on. Uh, and uh, I, I've, I've had fresh insights from N.T. Wright, Tom Wright, former Bishop of, uh, of Durham, on these two verses, which I really value. And I, I, he might be wrong, I might be wrong. So, but I, I, I think there's, um, there's something that makes sense. Nakedness in the Bible is all about shame. The Garden of Gethsemane reminds us of another garden, the Garden of Eden, where there was a testing, a clash of kingdoms, a rebellion, a betrayal, catastrophic failure, and a fleeing of the scene to hide in naked shame. Guilty shame. The shame of rebellion. The shame of betrayal. The shame of foolishness and sin. That's what the young man witnesses in the garden of Gethsemane. That's what he looks back at as he flees away, looking over his shoulder. We were there with Adam and Eve. Their failure is ours. We were there. Judas's, Peter's, the young man's shame is our shame. Do you believe that? Do you own that? Do you admit that? You, you and I, we, we owe the Lord Jesus Christ our lives, our husband, our wife, our children, our schooling, our food, our work, our very breath. The rejection of him is betrayal. It is nothing other than betrayal. Read how Judas's betrayal stinks. Have a look at it. And I find I'm looking in the mirror. Oh yeah, we've tried all sorts of ways to put things right. We've grabbed from the wrong weapon at the wrong time and it's foolishly failed. Peter's failure is our shame. What did Adam and Eve look back on as they left the Garden of Eden? Uh, They saw an angel with a sword, didn't they? The sword uh, said, no entry into the presence of God. A sword of God's divine wrath, his justifiable anger against rebellion and betrayal uh, and against guilty shame. What does the young man look back at as he looks back at the Garden of Gethsemane? He sees a king. The final character, Jesus, the king's submission. Jesus Christ all alone with a mob. Seized and under the sword. Jesus is majesty. Jesus' control of events. Jesus' readiness, he's prayed, he's composed, he's not a helpless victim, he's explaining what's going on as it goes on, verse 49, scripture must be fulfilled. He's purposely, he's willingly heading that way. The naked young man sees the sword of God's judgment over the son of man's head. The son of man receiving what you deserve and I deserve so that you and I can be welcomed back into the presence of God. 
receiving what the Son of Man deserved. Real people, real stories, real lives, real change. That's a good question for this coming week. Real change? Judas never saw it. Peter thankfully did. Now, will your friends see real change this week? Will they want to come along and look at their own hearts as they hear somebody else's story? I hope, I hope you invite your friends. I think it's a fantastic... I wish I was still at Christchurch Fulwyn as the events you're doing like this. Now, the question really, if we're going to see change, well, the answer comes out of asking ourselves this, this question. What do you see when you look into the Garden of Gethsemane? What do you see? Don't you want others to see that too? Come in humble repentance to the living God and fall at his knees and say, thank you so much. You went and delivered where I could never go. All I could do was flee. Let's pray.